Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scriptural reading today comes from Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 15, a song for the Sabbath day. Let us listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks, Little things lead to big things. At first, this is what these two parables today seem to be about. Little things that lead to big things. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds, grows into a shrub big enough for birds to make a nest in. And a farmer plants his seed into the ground, and those seeds grow into a bumper harvest. Little things that lead to big things. At first, this first glance, this seems to be the point of these two parables. But there is more to the story. First, let's take a look at this farmer if we can really even call him that. Jesus says the kingdom of God is as if someone scatters seed on the ground. 
Not a farmer, just a someone. And this someone doesn't place seeds thoughtfully in rows in a properly prepared field. They just scatter seed on the ground. The kingdom of God is like someone who tosses their most valuable resource here and there and then goes to bed and wakes up day after day, completely unaware of how on earth that scattered seed will grow. Only when the grain is ripe does this someone reap what he sowed. On face value to our modern ears, this story seems logical enough but it would have been a head-scratcher to the first-century listeners who heard Jesus tell it. They would have been incredulous. They knew farming. They had to know farming in order to survive, and they must have wondered how this idiot managed to find a field to farm in the first place. He doesn't prepare the field. He doesn't place his seed in rows. He doesn't check on his crops, or it appears even water them. The guy has no semblance of a plan. He just scatters seeds, goes to bed, and then waits for the harvest to come. The people who first heard the story must have wondered if this is what the kingdom of God is like. Is competence optional for a disciple of Jesus Christ? Apparently so. What about the story about the mustard seed? At first glance, the reason for the mustard seed analogy seems clear enough. The mustard seed is something really, really small that turns into something pretty big. The thing is, that is not necessarily how Jesus' first audience might have understood this comparison. Back then, mustard seeds weren't just small. They were also a nuisance. Those really tiny seeds were easy to overlook in a handful of good seeds. And the mustard seeds once planted were the worst kind of weed, big and persistent. Let me make a comparison that you might be able to connect with. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to something like kudzu, an invasive plant that once established is nearly impossible to eradicate. Even if a mustard seed grows big enough to house some nice songbirds, those listening would have known this was not a positive comparison. So the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a weed that will corrupt your whole garden, and it's like someone who is clueless as to how the seeds they cast are actually going to grow. The kingdom of God is like an ignorant farmer and an invasive species. So yes, the kingdom of God is about little things turning into big things, that's for sure, but it's also about blessed ignorance and the invasive nature of God's love. One of the trends I've noticed in the past 20 years of ministry is the rise of risk aversion in church life. As congregations diminish in size and resources, as Christians struggle to be relevant and to impact society, fewer and fewer of the faithful, it seems, are willing to take risks, to try something new, to give generously, even recklessly, of their resources and service to God's kingdom. Instead of taking risks, churches are increasingly doubling down on what they know and what has worked in the past. And while there are many reasons for this risk aversion, 
I personally think the cult of competence is the primary culprit. We love to get the credit. We love to be successful. We love to know what we are doing. We love to feel as if we are in control. Which is why if we don't feel all that equipped to do something, if it's not familiar to us, if it's not in our wheelhouse of competence, we often squash the idea before it ever gets off the ground. In a sense, we leave the farming to the professionals and stick with what we know, what we're good at, whatever that may be. Now, don't get me wrong, competency is important in certain situations. I want my doctor to know what she is doing. (laughs) But in God's kingdom, our competency has nothing to do with the effectiveness of our work. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are simply called to spread the word and let it fall and trust that God will bear the fruit. So what's this look like? Well, I think it looks like trying to live out the commands of the Sermon on the Mount in real time, every day, even if we don't know exactly how. I think this looks like being radically generous, even reckless with our resources, even if and especially when we can't certify a good return on the investment. I think it looks like extending forgiveness to each other and to others, even when we're unsure of what the outcome might be. It looks like trusting, really trusting, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually enough to transform the world. Remember, small things lead to big things, but not because of the competency of the sower. Small things lead to big things because that's how God works. What we do is what we're commanded to do, and then we trust God with the results. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with the sickle because the harvest has come. Competency, it appears, is overrated in the kingdom of God. Now, what about this idea of God, the kingdom of God, being like kudzu or a mustard seed, an invasive species that's really hard to eradicate once it's planted? Methodist preacher Will Willimon once wrote about a trip he took along a state highway in the South. I'm driving down a road in South Carolina, he writes, and I pass a church with one of those signboards out front. The sign read, Repent. Now is the day of salvation. Just down the road, there was a church from a different denomination. It also had a signboard out front. The sign proclaimed, Happy Mother's Day. Virtues are learned at mother's knee, vices at some other joint. Okay. Williman thought to himself, What does the world that knows nothing about Christianity, except for these signs, think? about the Christian faith. Then he passed yet another church with a sign out front. This one read, Do you know what hell is? Come and hear our preacher. 
Unbelievable, right? Well, just down the road, in the distance, he saw one more church with one more sign. He couldn't believe there were still churches on this road. This church sign read, We've got room for you at our table. Hospitality practiced here. Everybody welcome. Finally, Williman thought, something that sounds like Jesus. No judgment, no criteria for entry, just hospitality and welcome. This was a church that understood Jesus. The only problem was, as Willimon looked more closely as the building, as he drove past it, he realized that although the sign was in front of what once had been a church, it was now labeled the Shady Dale Restaurant. It was a restaurant that had a sign that should have been in front of all those churches. It's amazing, but we church folk are sometimes the first to forget that faith is not something we earn by hard work or through service to others. Faith flows to us and through us because of what God has already done. Faith is created by God's promise to give us the kingdom. God's kingdom is as pervasive and at times unwelcomed as kudzu. God's kingdom is an invasive species that looks to overwhelm all our feeble attempts at kingdom building. The kingdom of God is more than a promise. It's a bug in the system, a virus that will stop at nothing to remind us of the height, breadth, and depth of God's love. Little things lead to big things, especially when God is involved. Kate Braestrup is a chaplain uniquely suited to helping people in those terrible moments when they discover that a loved one is missing or dead. Tragically, Kate's own husband, a Maine state trooper, died in a car accident while on duty one night, leaving behind Kate and their four young children. About 40 minutes after she received the news of her husband's death, Kate was at home with her friend Monica. The doorbell rang and Monica sprang up to answer it. A young man stood on the front steps, clad in a spiffy dark suit. His hair was combed, exuding, as Kate put it, a scent of soap and virtue. He held out a pamphlet and asked Monica, have you heard the good news? For a long second, Monica just glared at him, not sure whether to punch him or to laugh hysterically. Instead, she just slammed the door. A few minutes later, the doorbell rang again. This time, it was Kate who opened the door. Standing in front of her was her neighbor, an elderly woman with whom she had exchanged no more than a dozen words in 10 years. She had potholders on her hands, which held a warm pan of brownies. Tears rolled down her cheeks. I just heard, is all she said. Kate writes, that pan of brownies, it later turned out, 
was the leading edge of a tsunami of food that came to my children and me, a wave that did not recede for many months after Drew's death. I did not know that my family and I would be fed three meals a day for weeks and weeks. I did not anticipate that neighborhood men would come to drywall the playroom, build bookshelves, mow the lawn, get the oil changed in my car. I did not know that my house would be cleaned and the laundry done, that I would have embraces and listening ears, that I would not be abandoned to do the labor of mourning alone. All I knew was that my neighbor was standing on the front step with her brownies and her tears, and she, she was the good news. I wonder what would change in our ministry and mission and our personal lives of faith if we admitted to ourselves and to other people that we actually don't know what we're doing or necessarily how it fits in with God's plan of salvation. What would change if we started to see the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, as something that once it's unleashed, it's going to overtake everything? I think we might be a bit more humble. I think we'd spend a lot less time planning and spend a lot more time with people. I think we'd be more generous with all the resources we've been given. I think we'd be less concerned about the future and more engaged in the present. Make no mistake about it, when we preach the Word of God, or share the Word of God, or live the Word of God, we unleash a power into the world that will spread despite of us, <laughs> not because of us. And this power is not something we can control or eradicate. Once unleashed, it takes over everything. Small things, little things, small acts of kindness, small tiny sermons about love and forgiveness, preached with words and with actions, small acts of generosity to strangers and friends. This is the start of something big, something really big. It's the start of God's kingdom here on earth. Amen.